Welcome to Chase Family Church. You're about to hear a message from one of our Sunday mornings, and we pray that God would bless it to you and to your family. Yeah, today I'm talking about something that, yeah, just what God has been speaking to me about in my life really recently. And it's what I felt like I had to bring. So um, if it seems like a very fundamental kind of message, then I hope it still blesses you anyway. But yeah, I'm just going to pray as well quickly. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your love, Lord, and thank you for this opportunity, Jesus. And yeah, I just pray you would have your way right now, Lord, with whatever you want to do, Lord, with this message and with this time, Lord. Yeah, in Jesus' name. So, um, actually, before I get into the message, um, I just wanted to say an apology so um, in my, my last talk that I did, uh, I mentioned about something with like this doctor called, I don't remember his name, Masamuto Emoto. <laughs> That's not his name, but um, <laughs> yeah. And it was like some kind of, it was like an experiment with rice and stuff. And um, I made the mistake of not looking into it properly. And it turned out that he was not a credible scientist and did not have qualifications. And... Um, that was my mistake and I should have checked the validity and, you know, it's part of integrity, I believe, to, to know um, how true what you're saying is. And uh, yeah, it was my mistake to, to share that in my talk. So I'm sorry about that. And I've tried my <laughs> and I've tried my best to, um, yeah, make sure that everything here is from like good places. Um, yeah, but I don't believe in any way that that brought down the message that I was bringing about, you know, faith and everything, because, you know, Jesus says you can tell a plant to rot and it will rot, so, and you can do greater things than that, but, um, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, like I said, um, this is something that God has been talking to me a lot about recently in my personal journey. I've, like, really felt a desperation since I left my job in March. Um, I was, like, full-time with a recruitment agency, and I felt led to leave them. Um, and just like being in this sort of completely like blank space, like there was no real, like really any responsibilities I had to, to do or anything. And, and I was just sort of challenged by God with my own heart and with, you know, my, the own, like the place that I was in. And what I really felt the Holy Spirit teaching me was, Something that, you know, he had made clear to me before, but I had sort of not walked properly with him and sort of backslidden a bit. Um, but it's basically about having like a lack of love in my heart. And so that's, that's what I'm talking about today. So, yeah, God was like really revealing to me and making me see myself in a way that I like... I mean, I'd seen, we all see bad things in ourselves, but it was sort of like, he was making it in a different way that was clear that it, it was coming because I had that lack of love. Um, and it was like, you know, it was infringing in all my relationships and everything. And it was, yeah, it was basically like I could not bear with, I came to the place where I could not bear with where I was, where I was like, I cannot live my life like this, not walking in your love. Like, there's just no reason to be alive otherwise. And so... Yeah, I'm just going to be talking about things God has spoken to me in that. So, um, one verse, or well, little passage, I just want to read five verses from Romans 9. 
uh, you can turn to it if you want. This is a verse that I, um, I, I read as like a young Christian. Um, and to be honest, like when I read it, it like really scared me. I was like, oh my goodness, like it always just sort of like, I didn't really know how to take it. Um, but it's really related to what I'm talking about today. So I'll just read it. It's verses 1 to 5 of Romans 9. I tell you the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. So, yeah, like, basically, you know, what he's saying there is like, he would wish that he would lose his own salvation so that others could be saved. And I was just like, I was like, wait, am I meant to feel that way? Like, because I was like kind of terrified at the thought of losing my salvation, like being separate from God. I was like, I just couldn't understand how Paul could wish something so much that he has great sorrow and continual grief in his heart, like he says. And um, I just think that this is the place that we should all be coming from. Like, if we're any, at a place anything less than this, then we're lacking like, we really need to have, like, this intense love. This is, this is God's love that, you know, Jesus was like, you know, like, he, when he was on the cross, like, as he was dying, he was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was like, he chose to be forsaken so that we could be saved. And, like, that's God's love. And that's the love that we're meant to be mirroring as well. And that's what Paul is mirroring here. That, I mean, obviously, he can't, like, be like Jesus and be a curse so that others can be saved. But like, that was his heart, was that he could wish something even like that, which was just like completely mind blowing. And like I said, a bit scary to a 12 year old, I was like. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just couldn't understand that really. Um, yeah, so it talks about in Romans chapter five, verse five, it talks about um, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And, you know, I really think, I think personally, like, I've, I've known God's love in like a way, like when you have the message preached and you realize what Jesus did for you and everything, like, that is really like seeing God's love and having revelation of like what Jesus actually did for you. But I think there's like, there's more depth that God wants to like pour out his love in our hearts in like a really great way um, that I like personally feel like I'm really lacking and. You know, I feel like I'm led to bring this message for a reason. Like, I'm, I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, I'm being judgmental or anything like that. This is just what I feel like I need to bring. And yeah, I really feel like God wants to pour out his love in our hearts in a much more like life changing way and in a really fresh way. Because like, you just can't come to the end of it. Like, it will just keep coming. And there's always more you can learn from his love. Like, I think we always just have so much to learn from God. Um, yeah. Yeah, so something that 
the spirit taught me like years ago, like I said, this is something that God had sought. He had spoken to me about like in the past, but like I wasn't going on like a proper, like um, pure, like walk with God. Like I was sort of kept falling, uh, falling away and everything. Not exactly falling away, but like, you know, stumbling and not walking with him properly. And so like, you know, I believe that God could have completed this earlier in me, <laughs> but, um, you know, he's graceful and he like, he never gives up. But this is what he taught me years ago is that it's out of a heart full of the love that all other good and genuine qualities flow. And like, we can try in our own strength to, to overcome our evil nature that's in us, which is caused by sin. But the truth is that like, we will just continually fail with that. Cause if that's all that it took, like Jesus wouldn't need to need to have died, like for us to be perfect. And, um, you know, it's only by like his spirit and his, and his transformative love that can actually bring that change in us that we are like really transformed. It's by his spirit and by his love. Um, because that's the thing that we're really missing and that's what we were made for. It's like the most important thing. Um, and, and yeah, it's like, I could become like pretty overwhelmed sometimes by like, I was like, I would sort of be like, okay, so this is something I do wrong. This is like, these are the seven deadly sins and I commit all of those. So like, I have to figure out doing all of those. And then like, I also do this wrong and I did that wrong. And like, and I'm just sort of like, okay, I just have to like learn to compose myself in a way that like stop me from doing all of those things. And um, sometimes I think we can do that where we think like there's some kind of like guide of how to like walk in like the perfect way, but it's just not going to happen that way. It's actually by like God's love bringing a transformation in our hearts because all that we do comes from our heart and it's that's where God needs to change it. He needs to change your heart because unless your heart is changed, like you will never really change because like the truth is people are the same today as they were like 4,000 years ago. Like there's no difference and people are just as evil and yeah, nothing has changed. It's only God that can change someone's heart there's, there's really nothing else. And it's by his spirit and by his love. Um, so yeah, so I just want to share a, um, a testimony from, uh, this guy called Tommy Ariami. Uh, maybe some of you have heard of him. He's like a, a church leader from this church called Rig Nation in South London. And basically recently I watched a video uh, of him where he was talking about a testimony of where he um, basically he was taken to heaven and this is his experience so I'll just read it it's like written down so one day at a young age of 16 Tommy had an experience where he was taken to heaven when he was there he said he found himself in a huge hall filled with pure light and people from every nation were all around there was a banqueting table arrayed with food and the table was so long that it disappeared into the distance of this massive hall. He said he realized by this that this was the Lord's Supper and that he was in heaven. A butler came and seated him at the chair that was reserved for him. And there was food pouring from the kitchen. He said he realized he may not have been there. He may not be there for a long time. So quickly he turned to the man on his right saying, excuse me, have you seen Jesus? Frantically searching for him, for him amongst the people, he tried to see the middle of the table, assuming he must be there in an important central place. 
but could not find him. The man said he didn't know and continued eating. So he found a butler and went to ask again, excuse me, have you seen Jesus? But before the words could leave his mouth, he felt a tap on his shoulder. This person said, are you looking for Jesus? Yes, said Tommy, he's over there. The man pointed at the kitchen. Suddenly out comes a butler dressed as all the others with food on a tray. He carried it to the table, then walked up to Tommy. The moment he approached him, his clothes went from being stained clothing to pure white, and his face became pure brilliant light. So pure, Tommy could not look. He felt, he felt deeply uncomfortable, not because of the brilliant light, but because Tommy had been sitting at the table while the master of the ceremony was serving him food. Tommy said that the last place he would have looked for Jesus was the kitchen. Jesus grabbed him and put his face in his hands like a father to a child. And Jesus' eyes looked right into him and he said, Son, do you see what I'm doing? Tommy stammered, Yes, Lord, I see. Jesus, with a tear in his eye and conviction in his voice, looked into Tommy's eyes and said, Go back and do that for my people. At that moment, Jesus pushed Tommy's head back. And when Tommy opened his eyes, he was back where he had been before the vision, just and just after this, he had picked up his Bible and his finger had gone between two pages and he was convicted in his heart to open the Bible and read a verse that his eyes would be led to. When he opened it, his eyes were drawn to a verse and the verse was, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And that's in Luke twelve thirty-seven. So, yeah, that, like, when I saw he had, like, had, you know, an experience where he went to heaven, I was like, oh, that, that would be really cool. Um, so, like, but I was not expecting what he said in the end about it was like Jesus was like a servant at the Lord's Supper and telling him to be servant-like. I was, like, just really surprised by that, that that's what Jesus wanted to tell him. And so... Yeah, and that's that's another thing that God has really been speaking me to in is that one of the real manifestations of love is being servant-like to all. And if Jesus even was lowered from the position that he was in in heaven and became a servant to us all, like how much more should we be doing that? Like if we can just like think about that. Like how much God laid down in order to come down to where we were and even make himself below us by being our servant. It is just like completely unbelievable, but it just really shows his love for us, you know, that he was willing to do whatever it took to show us how to love and to show us that he loved us. So, um, yeah, another thing that I just, I found recently I'm just going to drink of water. Um, is uh, there's this show that isn't on air anymore. It's an old American show for children called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And some of you may have heard it, but um, I think it was just very popular in America, not so much in other countries. But, um, you know, I think I'd heard of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood maybe, but didn't really think much of it. But, um, 
I was just sort of interested. I think the first thing I've watched that I like saw something about him was like this YouTube video about like these tribal people who like, it's like this YouTube channel where they get tribal people who like don't have any concept of the internet or anything. And they're getting them to like react to these like really famous things. And uh, I think the first one I watched was them reacting to Bob Ross, the painter. And they were all just like so amazed by Bob Ross. They were just like, he's amazing. <laughs> But then um, I watched this video where they were reacting to Mr. Rogers. And when I watched, like, he basically Mr. Rogers was just, um, he was like a host on this kid's TV show where he would start off with singing a song, It's a Wonderful Day in the Neighbourhood. And, and then he would just be doing, you know, loads of things and, like, I don't know. Just to, yeah, a children's show. And uh, he, was, he was hosting all of it. And um, the thing is, like, the reason he was so famous is because of, like, his amazing, like, genuine love that he showed on his show. Um, like, when you watch it, it really is, like, it's very moving sometimes seeing some of the things. It's like, um, you know, I saw some interviews with him and after I watched them, I was just in tears, like with how like genuine his love was and like for children and everything and how he was really like doing this amazing service to children in like you know he was like always saying like you're special just the way you are and like always teaching these really important messages to children um in just all sorts of things just everything and he really really cared deeply about children and you could really tell that and um i just thought it was amazing that you know this guy had uh, I was very, you know, pleased to find out that he was actually a Christian and had been through eight years of theological training in a seminary and was like an ordained minister. And and then I was just like, it was just amazing because it's like it all came from God as well. Like this love that he showed, he had obviously taken it from God and from his upbringing and what he really believed strongly about God and caring about, you know, the emotional welfare and mental welfare of, of children. And um, yeah, I just, I just think that it's a really good example, him, the way he was so humble and servant-like to all these children and just, yeah, it was just like amazing, an amazing thing to watch. And um, I would recommend it if you don't mind watching kids' shows. <laughs> um, yeah. So another thing I just want to briefly touch on, this is something that I just love talking about and um, you know I'm sure we can all like agree that like God is just so graceful and um, one way to just really see how much God loves us and to really experience his love is to just remember how much he's forgiven you and especially like for me it's like with all the times that I've you know I've come to this good place with God but then sort of backslid in, in a way that was just, you know, very disappointing and, you know, would always lead me to bad places. But it's just amazing how you just never come to the end of God's grace. You just never come to the end of it because I find that whenever I return, I just, again, I just feel his love and I just feel him speaking to me and I'm just like, how can you forgive me every time? It's just like unbelievable. And it really is something that you could just, like, worship God forever for, like, 
yeah, his God's, his grace is just completely amazing. And it's one of the greatest things. It's just so simple to think about and to think about his love. And it's just crazy that all of these problems, it's just all these like, oh God, but I'm so falling short in this and falling short in that. And like, I just can't do this right and this right. And, but it's just his love that brings you into that place where you have this peace and he heals you and you can move forward. And he actually, you know, strips away your weaknesses through his love and through the power of his love. So <clears throat> one thing I want to um, read is, oh, it's not my Bible. So it's 1 Corinthians 13, and I, I would like to read it in something called the Passion Translation. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't usually read the Passion Translation, to be honest. I just like had an idea the other day, like, oh, I wonder what it says in the Passion Translation. And I found that it was really amazing. So one thing about that I would just like to say first about the Passion Translation. It was written by this guy called Brian Simmons. Um, who I believe before he, he made the Passion Translation. He, um, he had like translated it to like these really niche languages. For like communities in Panama and everything. And like really amazing stuff. Um, and then he wrote this afterwards I think. And um, there are a few things like. It's very, um, some of the things are very paraphrased. Um, they're paraphrased in a way to like help you to understand um, the message of God's love usually. Like the Passion Translation is really focused on like the love of God and everything. And um, maybe there are some parts where he adds a few things in the paraphrase to like sort of amplify what it's saying in a way that might misconstrue the meaning a bit. So that's just something to be careful when reading it, I think. But um, I have thoroughly checked 1 Corinthians 13 and I believe that what it says here is what it says in like the New King James. Um, but it's just amplified and worded differently that's maybe easier to understand as well. So, um, and he also has lots of notes and the notes are really cool too quite a few of them. So I'm just going to read it. Love the motivation of our lives. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging symbol. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending spiritual, supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, and just one note there that he's put is that in the Greek, it's a present infinitive, which indicates that it's a continuous thing. And it's like, even if I had the greatest gift of faith that I could move mountain after mountain, <laughs> but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. And uh, the note there is quite interesting. It says, or resentful or does not keep scorn, keeps no record of wrong. I believe that's what it says in NIV, actually. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. 
Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after, the, after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our, prophecy, our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries. And the Greek word there is enigma, or an enigma, which is enigma. As though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Yeah. It's really powerful when things have been like worded in a way that's like makes it fresh and helps you see it in a different way as well because there's so much revelation like you can read one passage so many times and yet God gives you like a new revelation on it and you're just like I thought I had read this like 500 times and yet like I just learned something new about it and it's just always good to remember like you've you know there's always so much more to know about God and so much more he wants to tell us um but yeah this I mean, we've all heard this passage many, many times, but it's just great to look at it. It's just amazing because it's just so unbelievable that to have the faith that you could even move mountain after mountain, like mountain after mountain. And yet if you're not doing it with love, it means absolutely nothing. Like it means absolutely nothing. It's just completely um, unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I feel like, one thing that I like remember thinking when I first read that was like, oh, it's like outlining all of the things that I can do to be a loving person. So I should just like mimic all of these and then I'll be a loving person. And it is good to like imitate God because like it's describing God's love there. Um, and yeah, it's good for us to imitate God because, you know, it says in the Bible that we're meant to imitate God as our father, like dear children. Um, but I think that what's more important to take from this verse is like not just mimicking acts of love because that's kind of what it's saying as well. It's like even if I sold all I had and gave it to the poor, people would think like, oh, someone who does that has to be like full of love. But otherwise he wouldn't have said that, I think, if, it, if you can do that like without love. That's why he's saying it. And so, you know, it's important to know that we, sh we shouldn't just be, you know, um, trying to mimic things, but we should actually try to be... Uh, getting ourselves to come from a place that's exactly like completely genuine and that people can trust because you know if you're showing someone love and they were to find out that you know you were just sort of doing what was because you're like oh I just know it's the right thing to do like it's much it's just much more valuable um if you actually care about that person you know like not just you're doing like I'm just you know doing this for that person because like it's polite and it's like Obviously, it's good to be polite, but 
it is meaningless if you're doing it without love. So, um, you know, you should think about that. I had a thought recently when I was coming to something. Um, it was like a, a youth thing. And I was like thinking about this. And I was like, it was a few, it was about a month ago, actually. And I was like thinking, I'm going to like this youth thing to like serve as a leader. But like, am I coming and doing it like with real love in my heart? And I was like, think, I just like, I just don't think that I am. I think I'm just coming because like, it's what I'm meant to do. And I was just thinking about all this and I was like, I might as well just go home. Like, there's just no point in me being here if I'm doing it without love. Um, unfortunately, I did not follow my conviction. I did just go anyway. And, um, you know, it would have been hard for me to like immediately put myself into a life changing position there where God's love suddenly like completely transformed me forever. And then I went into that like you think completely changed so I yeah I just you know just went in there anyway but um I think it's a progressive thing anyway it's like there are times when God's going to reveal his love to you in a way that is like really changes you from that day but there's always more that he's bringing you to perfection because like it's only until the Lord's day that we will like we will be f fully perfected in that day and for now on for like for now we we can't see ourselves as being perfect obviously um, okay, so another thing I want to look at is um, an example from a really famous uh, Christian from the like late 1800s, early 19, early 1900s. Um, his name is John G. Lake, and um, probably a few of you know him. And um, but just in case you don't, I'll just give a little bit of a um, give you an idea of who he was. So he. Well, I'm going to be reading as well from this book called God's Generals, which some of you may have read as well. And if you haven't, I really recommend that you do because it's an incredibly powerful book about um, uh, the lives of certain people like Smith Wigglesworth and Catherine Coleman, who God moved through in a way that was like incredibly powerful in, a, in the supernatural. And um, and yeah, and it's also really good because it, what it does is something very interesting. It tells you why they succeeded and also why some of them failed failed like some of them made mistakes but didn't necessarily fail by the end of their lives but you know all of them made mistakes and it's amazing to, to see that and learn from it and that's what I'm going to be taking from with John G Lake so um yeah he was uh, an American guy born in like late 1800s and um he's someone who uh he was a missionary in South Africa and um when in the time the few i think he was only there for a few years but he um when he was there um it says that i can't remember the number of people that were saved but lots of people were saved in this short amount of time in south africa and apparently the things that he did there are still affecting south africa to this day um with the transformation they brought with the, how the spirit moved through him and um and it says that the number of miracles uh, particularly healing miracles um it, all of the God's generals in this book have a title and his is a man of healing <laughs> and all of them had healing miracles but he's the one who got that title <laughs> so um yeah and they said uh you know there were so many um miracles that it was impossible to count them it was just impossible and at one point it talks about how you know there were days when he would just or maybe it was most days he would just have you know I think hundreds of people passing through his house and it would just be like be healed and immediately people were healed like 
90% of them. And then the rest of them, they would, his wife would have like this really good um, gift of the discernment, spiritual discernment. And she would like hear from God, like why certain people were not being healed. Um, and so, yeah, they saw like almost everyone healed who came to him. God moved for him really powerfully. Um, one particular miracle that just really blew my mind is this one. It's, it's one that, you know, um, you see children who are, have deformities and they're born with deformities and, um, and disabilities. And, but I, I don't really know any stories of people being healed from that, but I know that God can heal all kinds of infirmities. And, um, and in this book is one of the only miracles I've ever seen with something like that. And I'll just read the short part about it. It says, the most remarkable case at Spokane's healing home. So this is back in actually America was that of a small boy. It is said the boy's head was shaped like a yacht upside down. Physicians announced there was nothing that could be done for him until he was 12 years old, and then the surgery would be very dangerous. But after prayer, the boy's bones softened, his head expanded, and his skull was restored to normal. His, his paralysis also miraculously left, and he was able to speak like other children. That is like what would be one of the most mind-blowing miracles I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> or heard of in my life. Um, and another really amazing miracle he had, I might just paraphrase it, is, um, so his wife was sick with tuberculosis, I believe it was, for a number of years, and he had been praying, obviously, for her for, this is before his ministry started, his wife Jenny was sick, and, um, he was praying for her, obviously, all the time, um, and, you know, ministers were telling him to, that he just had to let go and that it was what God wanted was for his wife to be taken. Um, but he was refusing to believe that. And um, he basically, uh, very, very near when she was basically in her final hours of life, he just had um, this revelation from God about, um, from this verse. It says, Ought not this woman whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years be loosed from this bond? And another verse as well, which is oppressed. Oh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him and the thing that stood out to him was the oppression of the devil and so he became convinced after he read that that um, this oppression was from the devil and it was the devil who was trying to destroy his life and kill, take away his wife and so he became convinced in that moment, after reading that, he had this uh, massive faith that rose up in him in these final hours after he had been praying for her for years and years. And um, he declared she was going to be healed at 9.30 a.m. And when the 9.30 9 a.m. came, she was healed and she shouted, praise God, I'm healed, which apparently totally startled him because he hadn't heard such strength in her voice for years, it says. And um, he says that it was just indescribable joy um, after that happened which is obviously amazing. Um, and I'm telling you about his miracles because I just want to give you a perspective um, with the mistake that he made, which is quite tragic. So while he was, uh, I believe, in his first few years of ministry in South Africa, he basically um, became so absorbed in his ministry. He had seven children as well with this woman, Jenny. And... Um, she basically was working so hard while he was away trying to take care of because there was a lot of poverty and, uh, um, you know, 
bad things going on in South Africa with the people and they're trying to look after them, feed them and everything. And while he was away, Jenny was trying so hard to keep up with it. But um, unfortunately, uh, one day she did die of malnutrition and exhaustion uh, because of the strain and overwork that she was being put through while her husband was away. And so whilst he was away, you know, he heard the news that his wife had died, uh, which was obviously really tragic for him. And he also... Um, really neglected his children unfortunately because he became so absorbed by his ministry and you know even while this was going on he was seeing all of these healings and yet he was neglecting his family um, and so I'll read you the part about his mistake it says here in his later years John G Lake enjoyed a wonderful balance of the supernatural and natural but his understanding came at a very a very heavy price the price was his family Lake's children from his first marriage suffered greatly because of his constant absence. Even when he was present in a room, he would drift away in meditation, being constantly mindful of the ministry and the Lord. Because of this, his children felt greatly neglected. Remember, it was these same children who saw their mother starve and work to death in Africa. As a result, each of them had developed very hardened attitudes and they left home very early between the ages of 15 and 16 to live in Canada. And what's crazy is they developed these hardened attitudes, even though they were seeing the most, some of the most amazing like outpourings of healings by God that probably anyone had ever seen. Um, as they grew into adulthood, their lives were characterized by hardened bitterness. However, two of his sons commented while on their deathbeds, I wish dad were here to pray for me. Lake grieved over his lack of attention given the children, and he would later write in a letter, the many miracles wrought in his hands were personally unfulfilling and not worth the loss of his family. So, um, it's really good to be able to learn from that mistake and, and also other mistakes in the book, I think, too. But this one's relevant to this talk is um, it's it's just completely unbelievable. Like First Corinthians 13 talking about to have the faith that can move mountain after mountain. And yet if you're doing it without love, it means nothing. And it's that's exactly what's going on there, I think. And, you know, he. He saw like these amazing miracles, like unheard miracles of like even people with these deformities where their heads returned to normal. They could speak with other like other children. It's just unbelievable. And yet he says at the end of his life that these miracles were personally unfulfilling and not worth the loss of his family. You know, it just goes to show that like sometimes we feel like, oh, I wish I was seeing this. I wish I was seeing that. I wish all that. But we should learn to just appreciate how we can share love with people around us before all of this it comes like god god wants to do those things but this is the thing that we need to grasp first or else we'll find that we've led, we've led a meaningless life so um yeah i'm not sure how long i've been talking for <laughs> uh well i don't want to go on like last time for so long <laughs> so um, <laughs> um i'll say a couple more things so there's one song that we're going to sing later on called um the power of your love um and something quite cool is that um you know i wasn't originally going to include this song in my in my talk i just wanted to look at the lyrics but um 
I rem I just remembered, oh, there's a song called The Power of Your Love, and I was like, I'll listen to it, and it's the one by Hillsong, and um, I was listening to the lyrics, and as I was listening, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is like exactly what I'm talking about, and, uh, and so I messaged Martin Mannion, because, you know, I know he's up for requests of what to what to sing related to the sermon so I said do you know the power of your love and he was like I've already added that to the list last night God led me to add that to the list and I was like no way <laughs> so that was like a really cool confirmation from God but the lyrics are really just amazing and it will be really great to sing it together after this um so, Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. That's just, oh, these words <laughs> are just unbelievable. Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by, by the power of your love. Yeah. I just really pray that as we sing this song later, that we'll really feel God's love in a fresh way. I really feel like part of the reason why God wanted me to share this talk is he really wants to share with you in a new way today that he loves you and there's this new levels that he wants you to come to in understanding his love and new, new depths that he wants to reach into your heart because you know God really wants to take away all the ways that people are oppressed in this world. He wants to free them from all of their oppression that we're under in the spirit and from our pasts. And he, he does that by the power of his love. Lord, unveil my eyes. Let me see you face to face. The knowledge of your love as you live in me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I love that one because it's kind of, I'd never noticed it before, but as I was reading, I realized it's like the bride, you know, when she's, you know, at the altar with her groom and he lifts the veil from her face and from her eyes and they see each other face to face. It's just an amazing, um, yeah, all of marriage is just like exactly how we're to be with God, you know, even closer. Lord, renew my mind as your will unfolds in my life, in living every day by the power of your love. And then the chorus is just, you know, yeah, the chorus. <laughs> I won't read the chorus, we'll sing it later, but um, it's just, you know, tenderly speaking to God about being close to him. Um, and now finally, I just want to read a poem that I wrote. Um, I wrote it a few months ago and um, because, you know, as I said, God has been speaking to me about this for a while and I just felt led to read it. And what is funny is that uh, the first words of my poem are the same to the first words of The Power of Your Love, which was quite a funny thing to find. So I'll read it now. Lord, I come to you empty. This world has drained me. You know my heart, its beats grow cold and weak. It's hard and sick and dying without your love. I need your love. Do I sound like a clanging cymbal? What do you hear, my Lord? How can I be like Jesus when my heart is so numb? Why do I not feel compassion, compassion like Jesus did? I'm desperate for you, for the touch of God. Lay your hand on my heart, soften it with the oil of your love. I want to feel it. I want to feel. I need your love. Do I go about my days as sounding brass, 
What do you hear, my dear Jesus? How worthless is an act not done in love. Even if I were to give my body to be burned as a sacrifice, if I don't do it in love, it is totally worthless. My eyes must be blind. I don't see as you do. Until your word brought me light, then I knew how wicked I am. Search me and see if there is any wicked way in me. I don't want to be blind anymore. Open my eyes, Jesus. Let me see the brokenness of the world. Let me see it and be broken. Let me see how lost the world is. I want to feel. Let my heart be broken just like yours, my father. You weep for the lost little ones, for every last one. How many times have I said no to you, Lord? Ah, oh, my heart wrenches at the thought. You are so patient, you suffer so long, yet I'm impatient in so much. Help me to love. I know I can only love because you love me first. I cannot give out of emptiness. I must give out of abundance. Pour your love into my heart so that I'm overflowing. Oh, I need your love. Love suffers long, it is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I'm just going to close in prayer. Yeah, Lord Jesus, the band can come up as well. Yeah, Lord, thank you, God, for this message, and we thank you for your love, Lord. And I pray, Father, that, um, Lord, may you really make your love known to us now, Lord, in a new way, Lord. And I pray that we would really open up our hearts to you, Lord, in this worship, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just soften our hardened hearts, Lord. Would you just soften our hardened hearts, Lord? And I pray that we would be desperate for you, Lord, and for your love. And to being in that place of having that love, Lord. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to the message today and pray that it would bless you in your life. And if you have any questions you would like to ask, then please email info at chasefamilychurch.com.